0: or get help with anything else, and a lot more. If you're interested in joining the community, buying some merch, sponsoring the show, or signing up for the newsletter, please go to buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Chad Gabriel. He's the Sherpa of Purpose. Chad, welcome to the show. Hey, Kevin. How are you, man? Very well. Um, your title actually is very intriguing to me, but maybe before we kind of get into all the fun stuff that you're working on, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, so I, I grew up uh, in the south suburbs of Chicago. Um, you know, okay. a regular kind of suburban kid. I uh, loved, 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 Playing outside, riding my bike, and that kind of thing. And um, you know, I was pretty active in, in baseball for most of my youth. And you know, today I today I coach little league travel baseball out here. Oh, nice. Um, went off to uh, to the University of Illinois and studied electrical engineering there. And okay. uh, what
0: got you into that? Out of curiosity,
1: how did I get into that? For the wrong reasons, yeah. For the wrong reasons, man. So okay. driving around, driving around. Uh, you know, with my parents, we we didn't come from a lot of money, but. You know, I'd always ask, "Hey, Mom and Dad, how how do people, you know, who who has those houses, the big, you know, the starter castles?" And Interesting. doctors, doctors, lawyers, and engineers. And okay, so that that's in the back of my mind as a, as a kid growing up. And you know, it's always that wow, those are those are fabulous. And um, also, math and science were always really just easy for me. Uh, critical thinking, that kind of stuff. Just okay, Legos and tinkering. And so yeah, and U of I, one of the top engineering schools in the country, and figured what the heck let's let's try to get one of those those big houses and see where that goes and uh, Yeah, like I said uh, what I would today, you know in hindsight, I'd say the wrong reasons
0: <laughs> Interesting sure like yeah, you mean in the sense of chasing money. Is
1: that fair? Exactly. Yeah, exactly not following my my heart my passion um, and, and also largely not being clear on what that was back then. So uh, Yeah, yeah,
0: okay, so you you graduate, walk me through your career kind of up until what you're doing now, and you actually decided to go back to school, which you're currently in, correct?
1: Well, it's an executive scholar program that I do uh, kind of part-time at, at Kellogg here. It's just, just it's a kind of a one-year boot camp type of deal, once a year boot okay. camp. Okay. Um, okay. Yep, yep. So, yeah, so I was about to graduate. I'm a senior at U of I, and I had done some internships with the power company out here uh, and a couple others with some IT firms downtown. And, uh, you know, it got to a point where it's like, oh, man, I don't want to be working with circuit diagrams and schematics and and sure. generally want to work with people who are more outgoing. And, and, and I also want to use more of my kind of artistic creativity, just whether it's graphics design or, or gosh, music, whatever, whatever way I would express artistically seemed limited in that, and that career path. So I'm freaking out now. I'm four years into college at U of I, the hardest four years of my life. And talked to my my guidance counselor, and he's like, Chad, don't worry, man. He's like, You've taken a lot of computer science classes. There's this is I graduated in 2000. In so okay. Um, he's like, You've you've had a curriculum that's very similar to a computer science major or a computer engineer, and He's like, there's some options here. He's like, have you thought about web design and web development consulting? Because I could weave in, you know, the, the creatives, the creative side with kind of the systems design side. And right, one of the things that he said that really stuck with me is like, electricity, it's on or it's off. Programming, it's if or if not. And I'm like,
0: you know, I didn't really I know, appreciate that see. at the
1: time, but it was so sure. true. very true, right? And yeah, very much so. Yeah. Interesting. To, yeah. To be able to step back and say, I can still design and develop complex systems. They just don't involve wires necessarily. Uh, you know, you're talking about front end, back end database stuff. And I mean, sure. so I decided to do my senior design project for the U of I electrical engineering program for people to basically check out oscilloscopes and multimeters and whatever tools they need for the lab. And so that was my first venture into web development, application development. And I loved it. I loved it. So yeah, I got hired out of school by, uh, March 1st, which was a us web slash uh, Whitman Hart merger. And, and as, a, as okay. a consultant, uh, and at that time, again, a lot of kind of volatility in the market, lots of money, lots of people growing quick companies. Um, and so March 1st, six months after I started went bankrupt and oh wow, you know, there were checks that I had been written that wouldn't clear. You know, I was engaged to be married. I was uh, just starting my first mortgage payments on a townhouse that my wife, or my my soon-to-be wife, um, were having built, and and my first round of car payments. So I'm I'm freaking out, right? And uh, you know, eight days later, I you know I I get a job offer here at Tudhill and I've been here ever since. So that's 17 years ago, over 17. Wow. Years ago now. And and I was hired as a essentially what we'd call a webmaster back in the day. So
0: Sure. I remember those days. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. So (laughs) yeah, that was, that that or
0: multimedia specialist or something along those lines. Right.
1: Right. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So that was my kind of venture through school into it. Right. Okay. And then about, um, 10 years into my it career here, you know, I, I'd advanced into kind of a, a team lead, a manager and then a director of application development, and I really got to a point where I felt a little empty. I wanted more fulfillment in my career. And uh, so I talked to Jay Tuthill, who I was reporting to at the time, and, and Tom Carmazzi, who's my boss now. And I said, look, i really love to have more fulfillment in life. And I do want to run my own business one day, whether it's my own or one of Hill's. And sure. with, within two weeks' time, basically, they're like, we have to get you out of IT um, and into corporate development. And, and we want to start a branding role. You know. I've done leadership facilitation and stuff. And so our brand is centered around our people. So that was one logical reason to take an IT guy and put them into branding. The other one is just that, that the connection to, to web design and development and search engine optimization, just stuff that an IT person does that relates to, to branding. And uh, also the, the graphics stuff that I was doing and, and I was kind of doing print stuff for the company as well. So, so there were reasons that it made sense. And, um, and, and, and so that role I was in to help kind of balance Tuthill's brand with our product brands and to really tell our story and uh, sure we had you know i'm I'm starting to get into that place where maybe it's not so much about me and my career but about our purpose at Tuthill and stuff. so i don't I'll stop there for now and let you take this where you want to next, man.
0: No, sure. So for people that haven't heard of Tuthill, maybe talk let's give a bit of an intro of the company and kind of what you guys do, and then we'll dive deeper into kind of what what you do there and what you're currently doing.
1: Okay, perfect. Tuthill, Tuthill is an industrial manufacturing company uh, that is privately okay. owned by the Tuthills. They, the, the company started in 1892, so we celebrated our, wow. our 125th anniversary last year. That's uh, really cool. It is, yeah. Fourth generation, family-owned. Fifth generation is now in the family, and he's he's the president of one of our lines of business. Uh, an amazingly authentic family who cares so deeply about people. And um, so Tuttle, you know, used to be a a brick manufacturer. We had quarries of clay and um, we had these, these horses that would haul the clay out of, out of the quarry. And, um, you know, there was there was a, a time when these horses would, would not be able to handle the haul from the heat. They would drop dead of heat exhaustion. And so Jay Tuthill's great-grandfather bought a patent for a steam-powered truck to help these horses haul the clay out of the quarries. And um, so you'll read in some of our literature, you know, that was how we've, we've been saving the lives of our employees or caring about our employees, our four-legged ones, for over 125 years. And so um, anyway, you don't see a lot of steam powered trucks riding around on the streets these days. Sure. Um, but it, you know, in, inside of the, that, that truck was a lubrication pump that, um, I'm not sure how this happened, but it became kind of the bread and butter pump product, uh, out of the Tuthill pump company. Um, and today we still make it, it's called the L series pump, L for lubrication. And, it's it's used in things like um, you know clean energy wind turbines to to lubricate gearboxes. So it's crazy a product that long ago is still something we make today.
0: That's great though. Yeah,
1: it's it's cool to connect where we're at today to where we you know and the the whole notion of our culture, which I'll get to in a little bit with you here. But sure, we've been a company about heart right from the start, and and, and that'll make more sense in a little bit. But uh, today we also make um, vacuum and blower systems. Um, we make fuel transfer pumps we you know there's a red one that you might see driving around on the back of a pickup truck that transfers fuel into tractors you know those are okay heavily agriculture construction type of markets but um, in general tuthill's markets we call them foundational markets they're the ones that grow with the human population you know you've got medical food and beverage agriculture construction water wastewater treatment those are the those are the markets that that tuthill serves
0: got you okay so I introduced you as a Sherpa of Purpose. What exactly is that, and how did you get that title?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm smiling over here. Uh, so that's great. It's brand new. So uh, new title as of yesterday, but it's been a long time in the making. When I when I stepped into this role of branding uh, back in 2011, Jay Todd Hill and and Tom asked me to help bring at what at the time was our vision, mission, values, and brand statement. To traction like how do we make this real and one of our bullets in there was you know to have a seismic impact on our world and and nobody very few people could connect with that and understand exactly what that meant and so it was time to kind of reach out and, and, and clarify what that meant and that's actually where the, the story of the horse you know, kind of got unearthed in, in the why why does Tuthill this industrial manufacturing company care about uh, aliveness and and this company, uh, this culture of consciousness and, and things like that. And so, um, when we when we got to that point, we 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 explored the history of Tuthill and the stand for aliveness that the company was, that the Tuthill family um, is, and launched that notion with kind of a rally cry. Our our purpose statement is "Wake the world." And you know that always raises some eyebrows. Like, what what does that mean? And and so we are talking about you know. Aliveness, how do we have folks, how do we show up in a way that has folks get the most out of their their lives and and, and live a life most fulfilled? Um, And and there's all kinds of stuff we do for our employees there. And we're just starting to take this outside of our four walls. And, um, you know, but the Sherpa purpose, when we launched this, it was like we're on a journey here and it's a big one. Um, and we kind of used a mountain climbing theme for this. So, you know, picture yourself walking across a, a field and you hit a horizon line. And, and up until the point where you get to that horizon line, you really only see the top of that, that meadow. But you get there and now you can see what's beyond that. You know, it's that next meadow and maybe a range of mountains. Well, that's how we've described our journey, just so people can kind of visualize it. And right now we are, we are past that first horizon line. We, we described that moment in time when we discovered our purpose as a company which was to, you know, is to wake the world. And now we're, we're kind of even through that next meadow and right at the foot of the mountains. And, and we're talking about how do we get from what we're doing inside Tudhill to 7.6 billion people in the world, uh, and bring aliveness out there. Okay. And so in my role, it's really, it's been a, it's been kind of a hybrid of branding and purpose. And so just we just decided let's let's shift some focus into just this wake the world effort and and so the Sherpa name is really it, it comes from the Himalayan people but there's there's a notion of it is a person who is a leader and a guide who's on the journey not just someone pointing fingers saying go there like I'm I'm in it I'm knee deep in it so uh, yeah that's really that's really where it came from
0: interesting and and like you said earlier you've been with them for almost a couple decades right like i think you said 17 yeah. years so you know you're obviously like most people don't stick around at a job for you know more than 3 years never mind almost 2 decades so you must obviously really believe in kind of what you guys have been doing if you've been there that long um but but i'm curious to know you guys are doing this this project called the search for aliveness what exactly is the film about and how did it come to be a thing?
1: Yeah, the search for aliveness is a it's a docu series that we're working on and the the what it is about is it's about us discovering a recipe for folks to try to feel okay. more alive, to feel more alive. And that's that's at the highest level, you know, what it's about and what we want to do let me back up. Where it came from is every year and kind of our goal setting process, we call it policy deployment here. We brainstorm and come up with ideas that'll help us achieve our our goals as a business. And we always look for what are the ones that are most impactful. And so from 2015 through the beginning of 17, most of our efforts on my team have been about, let's communicate and share what our purpose is and how how we want to tell our story, you know, the websites and kind of those mechanical types of things, the brochures, um, speaking engagements. And and that's it's been internally focused, and so now I was like, gosh, how do we take this outside of our four walls? Um, what do we want to do first? And it was important for us to say we really want to explore this notion of aliveness because here we've declared it's our purpose, but we're by no means scientific experts on aliveness, right? We're not okay. great philosophers on aliveness, but we're certainly curious about it, and we're certain we believe in the power of, you know, what happens in an individual when they're themselves when they go after what they want and when they do it with other people. And so um the the documentary is an idea that actually came from one of one of the guys that I work with here. He was he's he's done some other documentary work and he's like I think we could pull this off and um we we you know got some strong buy-in from the from Tom and and uh, the leadership team here. So so we're running with it and we've just started really and um the idea is to the idea is to get perspectives of a lot of different people, regular people who wouldn't be considered experts in an area, but just like because you and I, I mean, there are things you and I do to feel alive, right? Sure. And you know that's one of those questions, like, what would you say you do to feel alive?
0: That's interesting. Um, it used to be play music uh lately i think partly is just like i have a couple young kids i think just spending time with them is really kind of um kind of been more fulfilling i think than than a lot of things in the past Mm -hmm. i also think part partly doing the show right because um just being able to talk with people like yourself that are basically putting themselves out there right and kind of being vulnerable Mm -hmm. and and having real conversations about what they're up to right and kind of just being um real about their kind of ups and downs the good and bad the kind of struggles of some of this stuff because you know and and we'll get into this more later but the kind of social media side of like everybody posts like a high right highlight reel of their life where you know there's people that spend hours planning their like instagram photos or their their three or four of them to make themselves look like they have this perf- perfect life, right? And people buy into that or get depressed because like, they don't have this perfect life that some of the people they follow on Instagram have, right? But we all have problems no matter how kind of rich, poor, or what part of the world you're in, right? And so for me, I think just kind of discovering that and really realizing that makes me feel kind of more alive. I know it's kind of a long answer to your question, but
1: (laughs) it's great stuff, man. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing elements of aliveness and I'll go, I'll go, I'll go there in a little bit, but you you talk about um, connection with your family. You talk about purpose and and sending a a greater, a, a big, big message through your podcast, you know, and then, and then you know, music might, might tie to something like energy or just being present. And in the moment there's, there's, there are facets of aliveness that we'll go out and explore with regular people and, and ultimately thought leaders. So if there are any like thought leaders that, you know, you're like, I am absolutely a thought leader and I absolutely deal with aliveness. I teach people about it. I know about it, you know, thinking about people who really know about oxytocin, kind of the the physiological side of aliveness or, or the neurological side, or even just like the wellness side yoga instructors, meditation experts. These are people that, you know, we want to connect with and get their perspective so that ultimately we can blend that with just kind of the, the everyday person's view of what that is and craft a recipe that people when watching the docu-series can say, I want to try that. That works for others. You know, I've, just, I've always wanted to try that, but I haven't or, and then hopefully we find some stuff that's just way out in left field. Like we we never thought of that, you know, and some of the things, yeah. So. It's not meant to be like establishing us as kind of quantitative experts in aliveness. That's absolutely the opposite. It's more very heart-based, qualitative. Let's let's just get the human perspective on this this term and and get it out there because it is a choice. You know, it's it's something that we are. I think we all have the ability to to add in our lives this this notion mm-hmm. of aliveness. You know, I, I think about we, our parents and even you as a as a as a young parent. Like you know, I've got couple kids too. And our parents teach us how to walk and talk, right? Yeah. Our, our teachers teach us about math and science and a bunch of other topics, reading and writing. Our coaches teach us how to be good athletes, how to be competitive, how to be good teammates. But who in the world teaches us how to get the most out of life, how to feel alive? And mm-hmm. as I think about that, I do believe it's a very unique journey. It's up to each and every one of us to teach ourselves how to feel alive. And Interesting. And given all of the distractions that we are in front of every single day, I mean, how many screens are like facing you right now? Um,
0: Oh, you don't even want to know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's six, there's six looking at me right now. I'm not kidding you. (laughs) Well, and, 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 you know, here, I hear things like multitasking is a myth. I mean, just the idea of overwhelming, overwhelming amounts of information flowing at us. When do we slow down enough to think about this kind of stuff? And, this docu-series is truly meant to, in this crazy chaotic you know, state of technology, this, this time that we're in, uh, it's easy to become disconnected from other human beings and it's easy to be distracted. So let's slow down and just think about it because we've got this one life to live. What, we, what do we mess around with here? Let's think about it. And that's, that's what's at the core of, of this exploration, this, this docu-series.
0: Interesting. So you're basically just trying to get people to think about kind of how they want to live their life, try to find some kind of, it sounds, uh, aliveness to me is partly like happiness. I I think they're kind of tied together. Would you agree with that? Uh, I'm so glad you went there.
1: So glad you went there. So yes, now aliveness is tied to happiness, but that's a very small fraction of it. In fact, um, so when we talk about aliveness, there are five pillars that we're gonna go and explore, and the questions that I'll ask these people that we that are that we're lucky enough to sit down with for the interview process um, they will be around these five facets. So one of them is connection, whether okay. that other human beings or with nature or even like spiritual, right? Um, mm-hmm. we want to explore that. One of them is uh, energy, so that is really about do I have the energy required to to do what I want in life and that there's a lot of wellness component, uh, in the energy one. So that's two. The third one is being present and engaged. And so that's, am I in the moment or am I worried about what's behind me or scared about where I'm headed? Or am I just right now I'm present, I'm in the moment and I'm, I'm re- reflecting on how I'm feeling, um, you know, and that. So the fourth one is, is purpose. How clear am I about what it is that I want in my life? Have I slowed down to think about it? Have I named it? You know, and um, am I part of, you know, an organization that that has a purpose or not? And does that align? Am I selling out on myself? Um, sure. And then the the last one, which you touched on, so so happiness, right? We look at the fifth category as it's an acronym called sachet, which. You may or may not have heard of, but sashet no. it's at a high level, an acronym for the, the range, the full range of human emotions. So S-A-S-H-E-T, sad, angry, scared, happy, excited, tender. And Interesting. So, so happy, yes, is a part of aliveness. But as you look at it from, from the perspective that we are, it's a small portion. I mean, a real, a real life story for me when I think about aliveness, which, in, which embodies all of those emotions, including sad, angry, scared. Which are which are ones that lead to addiction people try to numb that part of their lives what they're seeing in those emotions and that's alcoholism drug addiction you name it I mean that's what people don't like feeling there's they're still as humans we get to feel all that stuff and that's great you know we we I believe it's great to embrace that and yet here I am so story for me I am at uh, one of my one of my uncle's funerals and I'm in the church and I'm I'm very tuned into this cause I've got coaching and I'm talking about aliveness and I'm just trying to notice within myself, what do I do when I'm numbing? I'm just, I'm not letting myself feel what my body, what my heart wants me to feel. And so, I mean, we've all been there mm-hmm. uh, at a funeral or at a wake, all of a sudden a wave of sadness overtakes me and I am fighting, you know, as hard as I can not to cry. You know, it's like the atom. Sure, yeah. up. I'm like, Oh gosh, you know, and you know, just, just trying to put on a, I don't know about a happy face and like, what's behind that? Why do we do that? What is wrong with crying? What is wrong with being vulnerable? Isn't that, you know, something that like, I want, I want to teach my kids that that's a, okay. Don't be afraid of how you look in front of other people. And so there's so much depth in this conversation and it's so fun to break it down into the smaller pieces and, and explore that. Like, uh, and that's, that's, no, that's, interesting. that's interesting.
0: Yeah. Cause it's kind of like how, how I think of it and and is basically when you're a little kid you don't really understand what's kind of acceptable and not acceptable to kind of do in public right it could be kind of crying or you know just like screaming at the top of your lungs or you know like at some age you basically somebody or you or whoever or society kind of teaches you kind of the do's and don'ts of what's acceptable acceptable kind of publicly and i think to your point like and and i would probably say this as kind of a male like it's kind of not really acceptable to cry in public right in a lot of circumstances i think it's kind of ridiculous if you want to cry who cares right but like i think just like general and maybe it's a very overgeneralization i think kind of it it's not really it, it, you kind of maybe would get looked at funny or or kind of maybe even get made fun of for crying in in public yeah.
1: Maybe like, which is crazy, right? Well, yeah. What's with that? Where did that come like, from? Why like, who is that, cares? Why does that perpetuate? You know, yeah. I, mean, I, I believe that it's because we're not, we're not thinking about it. You know, for me so much about, you know, aliveness is awareness and choice. So like, I know about it, what am I doing about it? And when I do nothing sure. about it, that's also a choice. Um, you know, and just, here's one for you, for you that I love. And you know, it's, sure. it's this notion of the, the conditioned human versus the human condition. And okay. I think that's what you're speaking to. It's like, gosh, there are just some things like, how in the world did it ever become quote unquote wrong to cry in public? Or, you know, they're just yeah. examples of things that we've put in a box and left there in this world. Yep. And why not dig them out and 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 re-explore them and see if that's really what we want today. You know, that's that kind of looking forward, uh, mentality that, that I believe aliveness has a lot to do with, you know? Interesting. So uh, before we kind of dive a little bit deeper into what you guys are doing,
0: yeah, why does, it, why does Tuthill care about doing a project like this? Because obviously, um, I can see how that they tie to what you guys are doing kind of from a corporate side of things, but it's very much um a bit kind of away from kind of obviously your traditional kind of business model. So why would they want to actually do a project like this?
1: Yeah, man, great question. And so we've got this document. we call it our Compass. It's a pretty progressive vision, mission values brand uh, document that really guides us on our way it's at this okay. every conversation all our goal setting and when when we talk about projects like this um, so we've got we've got this notion of we're an ingenious company and that company exists to support flourishing families and spirited communities and so talking to our employees who are you know 600 extremely hard-working dedicated employees of Tothill that are you know all over the United States a little bit in China a little bit in the UK um, these people are providing the fuel for our rocket to do things like this. So, so the notion of waking the world is a very selfless, I'd say legacy driven purpose uh, and intention that Jay Tuthill and his family, he wants to create that for the Tuthill family so that, you know, we're not going to reach 7.6 billion people in my lifetime. God, that'd be amazing if we did. But you know, the idea is, Tudhill's here for a long time. We've got a clear purpose as a company. And the pumps and and things that we make and sell are really the fuel for the rocket. This is our first, like I said, external facing effort. It is almost like a public service project. and, And we believe in it because the leadership retreats that we have done here since 2004 have untapped potential in so many people. And it's shown up in ways like, you know, a woman on a, who's worked in the shop floor for for essentially her entire adult career, you know people people in communities that, that are are you know employed by factories often work in the factories a because mom and dad work there b because that's you know it's close to home and it's a good paycheck or there's there's sure. a number of reasons but they um, often sometimes just like level out there that's the pinnacle of my career I've made it that's what I'm going to do to make a living it's what I know and. Breathing a little bit of this purpose and aliveness into into these people's lives where they otherwise wouldn't be looking for it. We call that, you know, creating space for hearts to thrive. Um, okay. They then get to see, holy cow, I do get to make choices that shape my life and where I go. I'm not just being pushed along by the river. I get to surf this sucker, you know. And um, so this one woman on the shop floor, again, she she went to through our, our retreats and and decided she wanted to kind of. Stretch herself a little further and had always had interest in being in the air force, so she she took a, a test um, to I think be a mechanic in the air force and and did really well on it, and they said you could be a lot more than a mechanic and so her career advanced uh, you know she left the shop floor, went into customer service, and then ultimately she left, and she's in the Air Force reserves now, so interesting it's really cool to see you know hear stories about you saved my marriage. And it's not us who saved our marriage. They saved their marriage, but their awareness of how to approach the situation might have done that. We've also had stories of you, you know what you taught me, helped me to decide to get out of my marriage because I wasn't happy. And, and, or to spend more time with my family or to leave Tuthill. Like we've had people leave Tuthill because of the clarity they've obtained by slowing down and thinking about what they want and, and the choices available to them. And so that's, that's really cool stuff. And, and again, taking that, Uh, and the awareness that exists around aliveness out into the world, we want to see what, what becomes possible there. We we don't know what kind of partnerships are going to come knocking on our door. Not like, you know, transactional partnerships, like who, who's out there that might be able to help us do this and, and what are we doing? You know, and there's still some questions we have to answer, but the idea is we're much more than a for-profit company. Um, we, we, we believe we can have an impact much greater than making pumps and, you know, making money. No,
0: I, I think that's actually quite fascinating. And you brought up something that I think um, not a lot of companies care about is like they're always so focused on kind of trying to keep their people even at kind of no matter what cost and if that person's even miserable. But what you kind of mentioned is actually um, something that's kind of fascinated me lately is like if if your company helps somebody either find something new within the company and and they keep working for the company, or if they find something in themselves and they kind of move on, they will always remember what your company did for them in their life. And yeah, they might come back at some point and work for you, but they will recommend their friends and family and others probably for the rest of their life to come work for you guys because of the positive experience they had kind of working for you and even kind of um you know letting themselves kind of walk away from your company right and i think a lot more companies need to think about it like that because it's kind of crazy to think that you're going to start a company and nobody's ever going to leave right like in the history of kind of since business was a thing basically somebody's left a company at some point for some reason good bad or other like so I think just kind of adopting that and kind of accepting that, like you guys have, is actually really innovative in itself.
1: It is. It's you know the the whole idea of um, work life balance is something that that we'll talk about occasionally here. It's like you know what work is part of life. Why why separate them? And if sure. you find overlap between what an individual's purpose is and what what it is that they want, important to them, and and what they might be doing. You know, at work, that's that's even better because now there's alignment and and more motivation, more purpose. And um, but that's where it, it starts with each one of us, though. Like, so Tell Hill's not going to be here and like say that's your purpose. It's it's an exploration, you know, and a challenge to get clear on what it is that, that I want. I mean, how, how often have you sat down and be like, "What do I want?" And answer sure. that.
0: To- yeah, it's pretty rare, right? I think a lot of people um, don't do it very often, if ever.
1: Right, right. And then take it a step further. Why do I want that?
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, interesting. So what types of people are you looking for the um to actually have um in, in the project? Well, yes. Yeah. Mention it quickly, but I want to kind of dive a bit deeper into that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So we we started by, you know, kind of paring down a, a list of personas um that we want to interview. For reasons that you know in our conversations we believe would be interesting perspectives on aliveness and and so some of the examples of that would be um a military service member who's who's seen combat firsthand and and maybe has even taken taken a life um what what is it that their perspective on aliveness looks like you know um there there are you know we all know that the burly dude who doesn't want to talk about the touchy-feely stuff and sure um, but maybe deep down, they they have a huge heart and are really interested in exploring uh, the touchy feely stuff. They just don't like talking about it. So sure. want to try that might be a tough one to get. Um, you know, how about those millennials? I mean, they get a bad rap, and it's it's like what what a <laughs> bummer for them. And like, how can we find a millennial to explore what aliveness looks like to them, just so we have appreciation for for that, and maybe break down some of the stereotypes uh, that that generation faces. Um, you know, the adrenaline junkies, how does aliveness show up for them? You know, the, the people who are, you know, skydiving and things like that, you know, want to look, look at someone with great celebrity, you know, uh, someone, someone with some pull there, like, how does that impact their lives? They can't walk in public with their family for crying out loud. Um, and so what's their, what's their take on it? And as, as I go back to those five categories of, of aliveness, uh, I, I think diving deep into those will be really kind of eye opening and and i believe deep down there will be some regardless of uh class culture race religion i'm hoping to i just want to see like is there a set of universal things it doesn't it just doesn't matter these are the things people do to feel alive and that's where we kind of start to get to that what's the recipe we're going to craft and share at the end of this exploration but yeah we interesting yeah we have this list um it's, it's on the search for under casting call. And, uh, we're looking for, for people that want to apply to be interviewed and we'll come to you. We'll come talk with you. Uh, we want to see what it is that you do to to feel alive if you're willing to share that. And and if it's not you, but you know, someone that fits these recommend them. I mean, we're going to call people and, and like I said, we're just getting started here. We've only done one interview so far. Um, okay and it was with someone that lives in extreme poverty in Mexico. We went down there and, Interesting. and and talked to her to get her story. So really really cool. Okay. Um, and then the thought- So you're looking
0: So you're looking for people globally, is that fair to say? Absolutely. Interesting. And you'll fly anywhere?
1: Yeah man, within reason, we can get there. Sure.
0: <laughs> and no, that's that's really great. That that's why I I think just even just coordinating all this and finding the people in itself is is quite a challenge, right? Yeah. That are willing to kind of talk about it.
1: Absolutely. It is. And and yeah, so we just did the press release on this about a week ago. And I think we've had, I'd say just five or six submissions of people who are like, yes, I am this person. And, you know, we're going to get in that phase of screening kind of, we will talk to them and see, what their story is and, and why this was attractive to them, and and yeah, that sharing requires vulnerability, it absolutely does. And and like you mentioned earlier, people are more prone to sharing the good in their life, the happy in their life, not the garbage. And so, not, we're not looking to make this, you know, the showcase of of everyone's garbage, but we want it to be real. We want it to be unfiltered. And and sure, because I, I believe too, authenticity is a part of aliveness, and you know that's. Being okay with who you are and, and your your truth, your story Sure, so
0: we talked a bit about kind of disconnecting um before we kind of started recording. What does that kind of mean to you, and how does that kind of fit into the aliveness um, that you've been talking about?
1: Yeah, disconnecting, oh my gosh, so for me i I have felt you know raising two young boys I have felt the shift of of say disconnection um and lack of interest in exploration and so the way that showed up for me was you know you guys have seen the the small babies who could just barely sit up on their own interact with an yeah. ipad right like it's oh yeah Fast it's there it's the built-in babysitter and and if it's yep. not if it's not the ipad it's it's the phone or it's the it's the dvd whatever i mean you're streaming netflix it doesn't matter that i that in social media has made it so easy to be disconnected and still feel like you're living. Like you yeah. get some of the dopamine stuff that you get from, you know, seeing, a, a, you know, being part of a, a game and a winning team or, or, you know, there's just so many, you know, as IRL right in real life experiences that I think are, are taking a backseat to the, to the, digital ones and again i'm a guy i love digital i love technology and i'm aware that this this being always connected might be actually you know changing de-evolutionizing us as humans
0: interesting i don't know where that's going to go i'm not
1: the science the scientist um, you know but holy smokes man short-term memory we don't need it we don't need to remember anything because it's always there it's on our phone How, how often do people say I don't know anymore. Yeah.
0: No fair. So I'm curious though, to get your thoughts on what about the people that say or feel fulfilled about kind of living their entire life online? You know, there's even like second life was big a number of years ago. I don't know if it's still big, but where you, you literally live your entire life virtually.
1: That, that would be a great, great perspective for us to explore. Like, so what, what facets of, of our aliveness, you know, kind of perspective, do they feel like they're getting fulfilled online? So say connections is one of those. They have a community that they're a part of. They might actually be experiencing the feelings of that, but what about the oxytocin side of it? What about the actual chemicals that are released in exchange between human beings when you're in close contact or you, or you see some, you know, so I just, that's, that's a great area of curiosity for me. Um, I'd love to explore that. I'd love to share. And and I don't know I don't know what that perspective looks like because I haven't been immersed in that way with with technology
0: you know sure so how do you disconnect personally
1: oh my gosh so I I go fishing where there's no signals <laughs> so no that's that's great yeah I mean we we go up to uh, Northwestern Illinois and, and fish and uh, you know there's there's a cell t- cell phone tower up there that I don't have that carrier and my signal stinks and I love it. I, I go out there and I'm with, with my wife and my two boys and we're floating around on the boat and we're, you know, just catching some bass and uh, not a worry in the world, man. It's, that's the easiest, most straightforward way for me to detach. And and again, it's cause I can't, I can't connect <laughs> literally. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. Just, that's, that's been great.
0: No, that's rare. It's rare to find somewhere that you can't get cell service that you yeah. can kind of just hang out at. Right. Yeah. So no, I, I think that's
1: great yeah for sure another way i mean just uh self-taught acoustic guitar i, I i'd say i stink but uh it's something I it doesn't always, matter right it doesn't matter at all and i always wanted to kind of play around a bonfire and i've got a big family my mom's one of 12 and we do annual reunions. Oh, wow. and so a few years back i put together like a 26 song set a little little top huh? Eddie, a little you know lumineers whatever and it took a ton of courage um but played some songs, sang along, and had the whole family going. And that—that's another, you know, that disconnect to to learn a song, to hold an instrument. Um, technology enables that, right? But mm-hmm. I'm having an in real life experience. You know, thank God for YouTube and and all the different ways to learn guitar. Uh, sure. But that feeling and the the feeling and sense of achievement that comes with actually doing it versus seeing someone else do it or virtually doing it, I can't I can't imagine that can be topped it's a really good feeling no i i 100 agree i i think everybody
0: should have kind of a creative outlet it doesn't matter if you're good or bad at it um if if you can just kind of get some peace and just some kind of relaxation and you can kind of check out i i think it makes sense and if you write songs and you never play them for anybody but you can get some sort of kind of disconnection and you can kind of just mellow out a little bit I I think that makes a lot of sense right
1: yeah yeah and it's it's for each person to explore how they want that I mean I for me I love nature like okay it's great to get out there and to feel it to smell the air to hear the sounds and and that you know the the senses that we have to this date can't fully be mimicked electronically it's getting close right with yeah yeah but I mean there's just there's so much to go and, and and explore out there in nature and and that's something I feel strongly about. I don't know you know what that is for others and but to slow down and think about what that is and realize when you find it what what becomes possible is a is a big deal
0: no I a hundred percent agree with you i I think it's actually quite fascinating. um I, it's a lot I think well I, i'm thirty five just so you have some context. Sure. so I'm like just a millennial. um but the, the thing that I found is the stuff that you kind of think about that really matters to you in your teens or 20s may or may not matter to you in your kind of 30s, right? And it's one of those things that you almost, at least for me, you've kind of had to pick different things that have kind of kind of disconnected you throughout your your kind of your, as you get older. At least for me, I've kind of found that, right? And You know, there's been times, like for me, I try to use, um, like on the evenings and weekends, sometimes I just use like an older phone. Like I literally take the SIM card out of my phone or I I, I have a US and Canadian phone number, but um, like I'll use an older phone on the weekends. It doesn't have all the email notifications and all the other kind of apps and stuff. And the phone's brutally slow. So like literally I just use it if I need to make a call or like get a text message. Partly because that to me is like, I just get so many notifications in a day, but just being able to kind of disconnect from the, the digital world by just using a crappier phone really works for me. And then I find like, I'm not checking it constantly when I'm like trying to play with the kids or something. Right.
1: Yeah. 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 I was going to say, what is it that has you want to disconnect or to have that crappier low tech phone? What, what is really behind that?
0: Yeah. Well, a lot of it's just, you know, not being on it. Right. Cause I, I remember years ago when my daughter was quite young, it's like she was doing something. I can't remember exactly what she was doing, but like, do you like miss these moments because you're staring at the screen or if I, if I go see like live music and you're recording or taking photos of the band, you're, you're not, you're like literally watching, the show through your phone what well then why wouldn't you just watch the band live on youtube right like stuff like that kind of got me thinking about it. it's like just put your phone away and, and enjoy the experience maybe take a photo or two or shoot a quick video sure like i'm not saying don't do that but yeah you know you can see like there'll be somebody in the crowd that's literally like on their phone or like shooting the whole concert and you're just like you're not even at the concert like you're you're physically at the concert but mentally you're in your phone so that's always kind of something that that's kind of been fascinating me lately is just kind of enjoying the moment right
1: absolutely man that's that present and engaged uh you know pillar of aliveness it's in the moment in the moment am i am i fully present you know, why, why, why is it important for me to take a video or picture of it? Is it so I can remember it later? I get that. Or is it so everyone else can see how cool I am? Okay. That's not for me. That's for others. Um, sure. uh, you know, and just, just that whole yeah, the being present piece, what does that feel like? And it's again, uh, if we don't capture it, it didn't happen. Kind of right. I forget the, the saying for it, but, uh,
0: yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, no, that's, that's interesting. So, we're, we're kind of coming to the end of the show, but I want to kind of give a little bit more of a quick overview to kind of close out the show. Mm-hmm. What exactly is the search for aliveness? How could people kind of get involved and get more information about what you guys
1: are doing? Yeah. So the search for aliveness right now, it's a, uh, we have six episodes planned for, for it, which will be that journey that is interviewing these people who share, who are willing to share their perspectives on, on their lives and, and and how they discover aliveness, how they get, how they feel fulfillment. Um, and we want to take that, share it, see what kind of human truths exist in that, regardless of any of the, the social class, geography, religion, money, all that stuff, um, so that people can try some stuff out. And, and hopefully it, it does create, it causes a pause for people to think about it and to to really live more intentionally, to to choose every day to create what it is that they want um, yeah. And, and so the idea is to have a couple episodes ready this year and then, you know, move more into next year and we're looking for people to really courageously step in and share their stories with us and, and everyone else who watches it so that I think this really important part of our lives, which is aliveness, uh, can spread. And again, from, from our point of view, it's like, let's get everybody. And, and you know what, if it gets to the point where we need to get this thing in more and more languages. Uh, that's a great problem to have, you know? And so sure. any, anybody who's out there listening who can apply or recommend or share what we're doing with organizations that you feel are like-hearted, they they are up to what we're up to. Um, gosh, contact me directly and let's start a conversation. Uh, can't do this alone.
0: So how, how many do you plan, like you mentioned six, but like, is it kind of like a, gonna be an ongoing project or you're just gonna shoot a bunch and kind of see what happens or- <laughs> Have you thought about that far yet?
1: Thought about it, um, and and so there's a lot of learning. We've we're a, I've never done a documentary or a documentary. Okay. Since. I I you know just the whole notion of how to monetize something like this is new to me. And some of the folks that we're working with on the PR side, are like yeah, that's that's a possibility. Netflix could pick this up. Um, sure. We've got a lot to deliver before we get to that point. Um, and yeah, if this continues to kind of fund itself as a project and uh, where we can explore deeper and deeper and 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 reach more and more, uh, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. And so, yeah, we've started with kind of a small, realistic goal. Um, it's not really small, but something that we felt was realistic given our time, our time frame here. And, uh, yeah, man, that would be, it'd be really cool to see this thing blow up. Sure. No, I, I, I think that's,
0: that's actually quite fascinating. And, and I love the fact that you're open to talk about, you don't really know where this is gonna go, right? Because I think so many people that do these kind of big projects sometimes will talk like, oh yeah, yeah, it's gonna go here and here and here. It's like, well, maybe, like, and I hope it does, but you don't know, right? I, and I think just the fact that you guys are kind of open about where you're kind of on this journey and and where it could potentially go, I, I think is actually quite fascinating.
1: You know, it's, thanks for bringing that up again too. So we have this, this group of people here at Tudhill, its 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 a team of folks that are coaches, and and they're our Awaken You team. So it's like the Tuthill University, Awaken University. Um, okay. Yeah. The, the vision is that they'll open the doors to the public to teach and hold the retreats that that we we do internally uh, within like the next five years. And so those those folks, you know, so I'm on the brand team, right? And a lot of what we do is promote, promote, promote. And mm-hmm. very intentionally, what we promote is authentic promotion. Just like the story of our culture and why Tuthill cares about hearts and people. Like, that's not something we fabricated for storytelling. It's real. And as we presented this idea of the documentary to them, they requested, you know, and it was cool don't go out and just pitch aliveness as the best thing in the world. Please just be open to what you might learn as you explore it. And that actually led into the name. Like, it wasn't going to be like the Aliveness Project, but we're like, you know what? This is a search. We're not out here to. With an agenda as experts, we, we truly want to go on behalf of people who care about life, getting the most out of it and aliveness. Let's go explore that on their behalf. This is a project we're privileged enough to have, you know, to sponsor, um, for, for that reason. And, and I love that advice because it does help me to say, you know, even though right now I'm talking to you about five pillars of aliveness, there might be 10 and you know, how, how about numbness? Let's explore that and see, see what's going on. And, you know, uh, and just, again, it's almost like a public service video. Uh, but with that open mind, it, it don't know where it's going to go. And I hope people love it and, and want more.
0: No, I, I think it's great, man. Um, but sadly we're out of time. So let's close the show with mentioning where people can get more information about Hill, the project and anything else you want to mention.
1: Absolutely. So, so for Tuthill, you can go to you know, www.tuthill.com to learn more about our culture and our story. Just click on the, our story link, um, for the actual documentary, it's the search for aliveness.com. And if you're, you know, thinking about, you know, somebody that, or you want to see the the roles that we're casting for, just click on casting call up at the top. Um, Kevin, I don't know if you'll share my contact information, but feel free to, to do so uh, along along this podcast so people can reach out to me. I'd love to talk with anyone who's interested or has ideas um, for us in this journey.
0: Sure, man. I, I have no problem uh, passing that along. Thank you. Um, but Chad, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you, and have a good rest of your day, man. It was my pleasure,
1: man. Thanks, Kevin.
0: Thanks very much. Okay, Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. To join the free community, buy some merch, sponsor the show, or sign up for the newsletter, please visit the website at buildingthefutureshow.com. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com.
1: And keep building the future.